Hey there folks, it's me, Craig Donwich, back with another episode of Random Encounter. And uh, instead of our usual news drop that I do, uh, Jono and I have come together today. Jono is here with me. Hello. And we are going to focus instead on um, current events that, you know, it's hard to miss in the world. Uh, and I'm not talking COVID-19, I'm talking things that have been going on in the states and the civil unrest, uh, all surrounding Black Lives Matter. And uh, we want to help out, you know, however we can here at RPG Fan. And, um, yeah, really the best way to do that is just to amplify and shine a light. I mean, I know some of our staff members have been going out and protesting those who are in a place to do so. Myself and John are in Canada, so it's not something we can do as well. But we've been trying to find other ways in which we can lend our voices to... Uh, to allyship in positive, helpful ways. And this segment is meant to do that, and we're going to shine a light on um, black voices in the gaming community and the RPG gaming community specifically, and just how folks can help out if you choose. So one of the really, really great things that we've been seeing is a lot of uh, a lot of big gaming companies uh, are contributing like lots and lots of money and donating lots of money to Black Lives Matter, other charities, for example, Square Enix is going to be donating uh, $250,000 uh, to Black Lives Matter, and they're going to be matching employee donations. The Pokemon Company is giving $100,000 to the NAACP and another $100,000 to Black Lives Matter. That's just a sampling. There are countless other ones on Twitter, and I think that uh, that's wonderful. Uh, before we get into this, I just wanted to mention a few uh, a few ways that Black content creators and uh, have contributed to uh, the game industry. Uh, for example, Jerry Lawson. He was the leader of a team that created uh, ROM cartridges that allowed games to be swapped out without electrocuting the user. So if you ever had a Super Nintendo system and you were able, or a Genesis and you were able to put a new cart in it without being electrocuted, you should be thanking him. And uh, another, another uh, gentleman who is still active uh, is Mike Pondsmith. He is, a, uh, he is an RPG uh, developer, but a tabletop RPG developer. And he was the gentleman who created Cyberpunk 2020. Now, I don't know if you've heard, but there is a fairly large game coming out from CD Projekt Red in a couple of months, uh, Cyberpunk 2077, which has been inspired by Cyberpunk 2020. And Mike Pondsmith is very involved with the development of this game, uh, working with the world, the lore. Yeah, when this game comes out, apparently there is going to be another update to Cyberpunk World for tabletop. And uh, none of this would be able to exist if it wasn't for him. Mm -hmm. And this is just a very light issue. We're not going too deep into it. And there's plenty more we can and would... So we're sorry if we have missed anything that you feel is important, and by all means, please let us know. Um, but moving on, like we, we did want to focus on some of the games and developers that we know of in the community, uh, developing RPGs uh, that we all know and love. Uh, and it's it's interesting. It's not interesting, but it's it's not surprising. It's hard to find, considering that African Americans make up only two point five percent of all video game developers uh, worldwide. First of all, is Orion Legacy of Koryodon from Kuro Game Studios is one to check out if you want a cool action RPG. Um, this was a Kickstarter darling from a few years ago called Stonehearth by Radiant Entertainment. They're a couple of twin brothers who are um, developers together uh, and then had a fairly successful Kickstarter launch with Stonehearth. Essentially, imagine you're playing Minecraft, but instead you control all the Minecrafters. And they all have their own stats and level up and can change jobs and stuff like that to help build a village together. It's super neat. Um, I enjoyed it thoroughly. A great visual novel comes from Kat Small. She developed this back in 2019. Um, it's a game called Sweet X Heart. 
was kind of her journey through becoming a game developer in visual novel style. So it focuses on her life uh, and her struggles with trying to go through school and then getting into game development. Treachery in Beatdown City. It's it sounds familiar, don't you think? Uh, that's by New Challenger and Hurricane Works, also done in 2019. It was very much inspired by uh, like River City Ransom and those kind of beat 'em ups with an RPG element thrown in. And uh, again, looks super neat. Uh, she Dreams Elsewhere is one of the upcoming ones from Studios of Veer, coming sometime in 2020. Is a kind of ethereal looking RPG. Cryomore, you may have heard of. It was a big Kickstarter darling as well it looks fantastic it's from nostalgico which was uh founded by rob porter and alan wansom that game is just it looks stunning it it has really reached a bit of a standstill because i think they had some of their own personal stuff they had to go deal with and before they can kind of come back to the project but i really hope it gets done because it's a super amazing looking action rpg with like fantastic art direction if you haven't looked it up please go do that clique by dead art games is also coming soon really need a little uh action rpg title on top of all those developers, there's a couple of studios that have been up and coming that they haven't really specifically announced RPG projects, but I would not be shocked if they did. One Man Left Studios is a, uh, uh, a one-man studio, and he hasn't currently developed any RPGs, but when he was uh, in school, he developed an action RPG, and you can check that out on his webpage over at One Man Left Studios, and I'm excited to see what more stuff he does on his own, because for being a one-man team, he does some excellent work. Uh, Zlavier Nelson Jr. did narrative direction for Hypnospace Outlaw, Mr. Bucket Told Me To, and Skatebird, and he's going to continue doing uh, more of his own stuff as well. And then there was Blurass Lion Studios, which is a new studio that opened up uh, specifically to be a diverse studio and to specifically lend to marginalized diverse voices and a lot of the former team members from like Skyrim, Fallout have come and joined this team as well. So uh, I'm sure we're going to have some exciting RPG stuff coming from them in the future. Yeah, I mean, some of these games look absolutely incredible. Um, and uh, I, I frankly, when they come out, I, you know, we can't wait to play them. Um, we also want to give a shout out to some of our fellow content creators out there uh, who focus on RPGs on YouTube. Um one of my favorites is Pelvic Gaming with Lady Pelvic. Uh, I believe they are she, her pronouns. Uh, they are a YouTube content creator, but they focus primarily on RPG reviews uh, and lists. She also streams. I found her a couple of months ago. I've been, uh, she's on my su subscription list, so I check out whatever she posts something new. I check it out immediately, um, and I've been going through her backlog. Uh, she does fantastic RPG reviews uh, for current and classic games and she puts a, a particular emphasis on uh, battle systems and music and uh, I think that she's just phenomenal uh, and I think that she deserves all of the subscribers. Uh, another one is Geek, uh, Quentin Williams, who actually worked with us at RPG Fan, not specifically me, I believe that he worked with Greg for a while. Yeah, uh, for a little he, bit. Yeah, yeah, he's a YouTube content creator, has a solid focus on RPGs. Um, you know, great content, lots of it too, uh, regularly updated. So these are two people that you might want to check out on YouTube. He's a fun guy. <laughs> yeah, and uh, incidentally, links for all of this, the games, the developers, the content creators, they're going to be in show notes. So if you're curious, you can find them there. Uh, to further uh, go into the, the YouTube rabbit hole, a wonderful way you can donate um, is through some YouTube creators have made hour-long YouTube videos 
that if you just leave the ads on, the ad revenue goes towards contributing to the various fundraising entities that are supporting Black Lives Matter and supporting protests and uh, awareness down uh, in the States and worldwide for that matter. Uh, so one of those, for example, you can check out is Zoe Amira, her channel on YouTube, and you can watch the video, put it on repeat, share it, don't skip ads, turn off your ad filter, let that revenue rack up because we know it's all incremental, but a lot of eyes on it will help build up funds. And there's a few other different videos you can find too, just by searching through YouTube and linking through uh, Zoe Amira's uh, fundraising video as well. So I definitely recommend watching that. True. And if you are just looking to donate some money, uh, you know, there's always the ACLU, Black Lives Matter, the NAACP, Legal Defense and Education Fund are all excellent uh, places where you could place your money to help people. Yeah, there's there's all kinds of ways you can find out how to support, even if it's just sharing support, you know, uh, don't feel obligated if you aren't in a financial position to do it, if you aren't in a physical position to go out and protest. There's plenty of great ways that you can lend uh, a hand. Finally, um, we just wanted to also shine a light on Black Game Developers. It's a website that does exactly what you think it is. It highlights uh, Black Game Devs in all parts of the industry, whether they're designers, whether they're writers, whether they're uh, VFX artists, music developers, anything. If you're looking for someone to connect with, if you're looking for... Uh, someone to join a project with or just follow a project, go check out Black Game Developers and uh, get yourself up to speed. There's there's all kinds of ways to connect with folks out there, and we're hoping this is some of the ways in which you can find your way to it and feel that you can help make a difference in these current times. Yeah, and lastly, we just want to say that everyone at RPG Fan uh, supports Black Lives Matter. We have a We have a post, We Went Dark. Um, and I think that we'll have a link to our statement about it, uh, in the show notes, but yeah, we support this and, uh, it's a powerful message that needs to be shared. It's unfortunate the way it had to happen, but it's happening and hopefully it's not just a fad. Hopefully this isn't just a trend and, uh, I know I can't speak for everyone I know, but you know, I, I plan and am educating myself more. This has already opened my eyes in so many more ways than even I originally thought, not just to to all marginalized lives, uh, but especially the black community. And I want to find ways to be a better ally. And this is just, again, one of the ways in which I think can be a step towards that. I agree 100%. So with that being said, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for your continued support of us and hopefully your continued support of this entire movement of action. And uh, without further ado, please enjoy this next episode of Random Encounter. RPG fans, yes, I'm talking to you, and you, and you, and especially you. I mean, there's probably more than just those five people, but, you know, we like to uh, wish for the best. Anyways, 
I'm Greg Domage. We like an intimate room. <laughs> we like an intimate room. This is uh, RPG Fans Jam Sesh. We're at a black box studio, a.k.a. my, ba- my bedroom, and uh, it's going to be a nice intimate night of podcasting. Or day. Well, this is getting interesting. <laughs> right? I don't know when and how you're going to listen to this, but it is going to be interesting. Uh, that being said, uh, as I was saying, I'm Greg Delmage. I am your host today. I have my wonderful co-host, Jono Logan, here with me. Hello, Jono. Always a pleasure. Jono, thank you so much, by the way, for taking the reins and uh, getting some stuff in order for us this week. I appreciate you very much for doing that, sir. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's been it's been one of those weeks for Greg, uh, and so uh, I needed that extra kick of someone being like, hey, you need help? I can do this. I got it. Let's do this. So thanks, Jono. That being said, uh, other people who work way too hard around here would be Alana Hags. Alana's here. Hi, Alana. Woo. Hi, everybody. How is, how is everyone doing? <laughs> fairly well considering uh I that's mean, that's what you gotta say you gotta say everything you say like whether it's great or terrible you just gotta follow it up with considering given the circumstances <laughs> you know yeah we've got we've got a lot going on i mean Atlanta being in the uk you've definitely got a, a lot of weird stuff going on now definitely yeah what i mean like by time or by like general because both apply right now <laughs> that's fair yes you are in a very different time zone at the moment from where <laughs> Jono and i are but also just your government reopening everything very seemingly very soon oh uh, yeah uh, considering how late they were to the game in general yeah just a tiny bit worried about that just a little bit yeah, yeah you guys are going to be able to have gatherings of six people i believe by monday uh yeah not me <laughs> I'm not going to be doing that, no way. D&D is still cancelled, guys. Sadly. But no, it's, um, yeah, it's interesting, like, because, yeah, we're going through our big phase of reopening as well. We're in phase two now, I believe, and uh, that's kind of like restaurants and everything are opening, so my work has started calling us back to work as well, so Annette and I have been a little nervous about that, because basically now, in the service industry, you're suddenly a frontline person, because you're very hands-on with a lot of people. And depending on how many guests that do or don't come in, and I know they're doing all their best to do precautions and stuff, but my work has also taken a stance of like, oh, we're trying not to have people have masks and this and that. I'm like, but no, that's yeah. not, like, I would, I would rather not be spreading things to other people by accident. And I would rather make sure the guests and other people I work with aren't spreading things to me because again, I live with a very high risk person. So mm-hmm. it's debatable whether I'll be going back to work anytime soon or not. But mm. thankfully Annette's work has expanded her hours again now so we're in a safe enough space that we can work through that as i find somewhere else that's safer for us for me to work but i've been working with this restaurant group for nine years so it's a hard shift possibly to make yeah no i understand and i understand your worry as well you know um like i have a friend who works in retail and say we're opening stores up in the next two weeks and she is terrified because well yeah yeah like it's it's about not spreading it and not getting it yourself you know what i mean like it's protecting everybody well, like, and yeah it's very likely we're gonna have a second spike because even just like even during like some of the worst of it there's still a lot of people who weren't caring as much and now you see everything kind of going back to normal ish in some ways it seems like a lot of people are just like cool let's all party again it's like no that's that doesn't yeah. mean let's yeah. go back to normal that doesn't mean let's all go to the pool parties like what's happening in Toronto and our head to the beaches, like in Florida and stuff. It's just like, no, like we still need to keep our distance and do our due diligence. or we're just all going to be in this again come August. Well, I don't know if either of you two noticed, but uh, here in Toronto, we made some international headlines because we had what can only be called just 
the astronomical stupidity of everyone going to Trinity Bellwoods and oh. uh, like being basically in a mosh pit. Oh. Like ten, was it? It was a couple of thousand people just shoved into a space. It was very irritating. And we've just had our emergency uh, state of emergency extended to June sixth. Okay. So we'll see what happens after that. So we're, all, we're here in Ontario. We're all still uh, safe. I guess, except for the, except for the, I don't want to alienate anyone who was in Trinity Bellwoods, if we have any listeners on the, on the podcast who visited Trinity Bellwoods last week, but, um, you're really stupid if you were, my God. <laughs> Love you. <laughs> but, but yeah, it's, we, I don't know, it's, and it's a part of us that can't help but think like, are we being too cautious? Like Annette and I by we, I mean, you know, are we being too over the top, too cautious? But at the same time, when it comes to anyone's health like it's better to be more careful than be like oh maybe i'm being a little too much and maybe i look silly and then end up dead i mean i'm a fairly fit human being my sciatic nerve that's been a pain in my arse for like two months aside but you know there's been plenty of guys my age and fitness level and everything like that who have killed over dead from covid at 19 as well even though we're not like the high risk group it can still happen yeah. And, you know, and I don't want to think of that, like, if I leave Annette and Gwen in a lurch like that either, right? So it's like, and but more importantly, even, like, Annette has her history. So it's just like, eh, I want to, yeah, I'll just stay home, play video games. Let's just keep doing that. I'm just, it's, I think part of the psychology of it is it's very, very difficult for people sometimes to uh, imagine the road not taking, taken. Like, what would have happened if we didn't lock down? What would have happened if COVID had continued to spread at the rate it right. was in at the beginning of March. And because that didn't happen, it's very easy for some people to say that this was overblown or my God, we only had this percentage of deaths. That's nothing. Um, whereas the reality is if we hadn't taken these precautions, the death toll right now could be unthinkable. And that's the we thing. Just we just can't know. Yeah. There's, this is very unprecedented, which is why Everything starting up and going back to normal still is a little nerve-wracking because, again, it's unprecedented. We don't even have a vaccine yet. So it's like, what's the rush? I know. The level of optimism about the vaccine is stunning. (laughs) They're just like, we're going to have this thing by the end of the year. And I'm like, really? That seems ambitious. (laughs) And it seems like there's a lot of people going to be out and about in between all the time. So, I mean, hopefully that herd uh, immunity builds up real fast. Yeah, I mean, it took Final Fantasy VII Remake 10 years to come out, and the vaccine's going to be coming out in, like, four months? Okay. <laughs> oh, no. Well, we can uh, tune in in uh, two months for uh, COVID Direct, and we'll see where they're <laughs> at with pushing launch dates. Uh, anyways, video games. Uh, thank you for uh, letting us all vent, friends. But we have video games to talk about. Welcome to COVID Encounter. Yeah, exactly. COVID-19 Encounter. Um, we are so behind. We're looking forward to COVID-20. That'll be great. Uh, I heard Sakurai's directing it. Um, no, um, I hear it was delayed because of E3. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gracious. No, uh, what we do have uh, on the docket to talk about, though, is uh, the dark return of Paper Mario. Uh, that trailer was a delight. I am so excited for Paper Mario, the Origami King, because our last four end of Paper Mario was kind of, yeah, it was, it was there. It was fun. It, like I had a friend who summed it up really well by saying it was fun. He liked the jokes, but yeah, 
Yeah, there was a paper mar- there were a couple of Paper Mario games that came out the last few years, but can you name any of them? <laughs> I get them confused because didn't at one point Paper Mario and the Mario and Luigi games kind of merge together? That one of the games is both mechanically, is it not? There was a crossover yeah. one which came out recently. It was the most latest one that was on the 3DS. Yeah, uh, Mario and Luigi Paper Jam. That's Paper it. Jam, thank you. And then before that, there was the the painting one. That was the Wii U one. And then before was, that was Sticker Star, which was which fell flat. Yeah, exactly. And then even before that, you had Super Paper Mario was good, but it was definitely different. Well, it was a side scroller, essentially. Yeah, yeah, exactly. it didn't have as many of the 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 uh, RPG mechanics. I don't recall. I have it. I haven't gotten into it yet. I remember. I actually enjoyed it, but it seemed much more like a uh, adventure game, like a Mario adventure game, than it was in a Mario RPG. Nothing wrong with that. Just. Not what people were expecting after Thousand Year Door. No. no. But this might be the return to form that we're looking for. Yeah, I hope so anyway. It was giving me some good vibes. Like, it seemed like it might be, like, the best marriage of both worlds between, like, classic Paper Mario and um, what they kind of were doing in Super Paper Mario. With a lot of, you know, like, platforming and interaction with the world and such. But also, just with, yeah, those core good gameplay and story i mean we like the, again the story seems very grim with like a converted peach coming out to try and convert you and just being like whatever your resistance is futile to the origami <laughs> still a better origami killer than um whatever uh heavy rain <laughs> i was gonna say paper mario has never been afraid to take risks has it i mean super paper mario is famously kind of terrifying at times and so it's quite nice to see that I like the way that Mario can kind of flex in these different directions on these spin-off series. So like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of interested. I am concerned. I mean, I think anybody would be because of the recent history of the series, but, and initially the trailer didn't seem to scream RPG at me. And it was only until some follow-up footage came along that day. I think there's like a 20 second clip of a battle system. And then a load of sites were clarifying that it would still be a turn-based RPG with skills. I was like, yeah. okay, they are still doing it. But there's been like no real indication otherwise. Um, so they teased some Metroid at the end as well. <laughs> <laughs> Which was really, really funny. And there's a little Donkey Kong head. I'm like, are we going to get yeah. Yeah, origami or a paper mache head like... Uh... Uh, power-ups and stuff that'd be kind of fun the amiibo functionality would be would be fun to bring back with this we're missing so much of it in like animal crossing i miss all the uh the nintendo nods from that someone was mentioning the other day that they're just like the one thing i still love about new leaf is that you can have epona and um like wolf link in your village and i was like i forgot that was a thing oh my gosh i now need to track down those amiibo and throw them in my animal crossing town but yeah i hope we get that in this current one (laughs) no now you've got to be mad about it. <laughs> Give us more Nintendo and our Nintendo games. Any rate, <laughs> I mean that'd be um, a super that'd be a super smart move for them to do in a couple of months. If there's oh, another yeah. uh, if there's another shutdown or another flare up of this thing, yeah, uh, <laughs> no they kidding. should just release like an entire other game of DLC. Oh yeah, I wouldn't be shocked. They just I hold mean, off on it. <laughs> I mean, Nintendo just hit the bloody lottery with Animal Crossing, but that's another story. Sure is, but a success story, no doubt. But yeah, last Paper Mario I played was the original Paper Mario. Gwen and anyway. I played it last year, uh, and so that because I'd never actually played the original Paper Mario for the sixty four. I had it on the Wii uh, through Virtual Console, and so we went back, fired it up, and it held up. It's fun, and I, I like the ground it did lay for a thousand year door to improve upon it. 
but it's, since then I actually haven't gotten a chance to play any other ones. I still wanted to give like Sticker Star a shot, and uh, I have Super Paper Mario. I just haven't played it yet, and I wanted to. I played a bit of the Wii U one at a friend's house, but I haven't really given any of them an, an earnest try. Have either of you two really gotten into them? Uh, yeah. I mean, I played Super Paper Mario, uh, and I gave uh, I gave uh, we just went through them all. What was the 3DS one? Sticker Star. Yeah, Sticker I gave Star. it a shot. Yeah, I gave it a shot, and I was like, this is not hitting me the right way. And I also gave uh, Mario & Luigi Paper Jam a shot, because I am a giant fan of the Mario & Luigi uh, series of RPGs. Yeah, you'd think that crossover would already be rad. You think, um, but it was less than the sum of both of its parts. Hmm. Um, at least oh, I believed ooh. it was. Yeah, it was a shame, because, I mean, I really love that series. I mean, who knows if we're going to get any more uh, entries in it, but... Uh, yeah. To be honest, given a choice between the... Paper Mario series and the Mario Luigi series, I'd probably take Mario Luigi. I don't know why its sense of humor just seems to click better with me. Not that there's anything wrong with the Paper Mario series, but you know, it's just a matter of preference. It's Coke versus Pepsi. Kind of. Yeah. They're basic they're basically the same thing, but <laughs> in so many ways. But yeah, the humor is definitely a little different. Like the characters are more characters, like they're more present, so to speak, whereas Paper Mario just kinda is more like a link where things just kinda happen to him. I guess Paper Mario kind of harkens a bit back to um, the Super Mario RPG in some ways, just that Mario was kind of there and kind of acts things out, pantomimes it all, which is super funny, and we do love. Uh, actually, uh, Alana was reminding me of that recently because you had posted some music from it, actually, the booster song. For <laughs> yes, your, I did, you're doing the yeah. music challenge on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, damn, Super Mario RPG is so good, and that still holds up as well. I think Mario and Luigi probably follows more on from Super Mario RPG, and I think... Yeah, kind of gameplay wise. Build off, yeah, and I think to build off what Jono was saying, like I would probably also take the Mario and Luigi series back over Paper Mario, and I think Paper Mario has kind of come wrapped up in its kind of gimmicks, and the humor is all kind of jokes at like paper puns and things like that. And whereas like the Mario and Luigi series is so expressive, like the humor is not in the dialogue, it's not all in. Yeah, it's not all in the script. It's a lot of it is right. in how Mario and Luigi like interact with each other physically, like you know, and forthful and everything like that. So, yeah, having the those those bro things, it's like the one of the best places to see their relationship develop is that game. Yeah, exactly. It's so funny to think about how Luigi like didn't have a character until uh, the GameCube era. Like, if it wasn't for if it wasn't for uh, Luigi's Mansion, like the idea of him being a coward and kind of the screw-up brother would never have happened. We went through the Nintendo, the Super Nintendo, and the uh, Nintendo 64 without Luigi really having a defined character. He aside was just from a, Green Mario. <laughs> Pretty much. He was Green Mario who like wiggles his legs in the air when he jumps. <laughs> yep. I mean, even Mario's Missing, which I think the first one was on the Nintendo, didn't really give him anything either. Oh, God. Nope. Yeah. I Except tried playing we, that game. We, I couldn't understand it when I was a kid. I did not understand just, what was going on. Was, you're just going through corridors, and I was like, what is happening? I didn't get it. Yeah, we discovered that Luigi apparently is the smart brother who has a tremendous knowledge of uh, geography. <laughs> yes, exactly. Whereas, uh, yeah, exactly. Mario just does the plumbing. Oh, it's really funny, actually. I did a um, my very last West Coast Geeks versus Nerds debate I did was actually Tails versus Luigi, who was the better player, too. And we'd done like a whole Ooh. shtick. Uh, we were Team Luigi, and we did a whole shtick about like how the Mario family was like basically tied up in the mafia, and the plumbing business was actually a front. But like that Luigi ran, he ran, ran like the legitimate business that kept the family stable. 
okay. <laughs> and that was our whole angle. It was not based. It was lo- very loosely based. In fact, don't worry. I mean, I did my entire my entire round was the attack round, and I attacked tails by comparing him to Doctor Robotnik. That he's essentially the next Doctor Robotnik because he's also a boy genius um, who's unfettered. So I was like, <laughs> it was ridiculous uh, and super fun. Those whole it's all a comedy show. But at any rate, it was very ridiculous and just you can give whatever you want to Luigi because his uh, his character is kind of paper thin. That being said, in Paper Mario, I do love getting his journal entries of his adventure he's on that no one yeah. seems to care about. <laughs> yeah, they're some of the best bits. I love those. Isn't he like a superhero in Thousand Year Door as well? Am I remembering that right? It's been so long since I've played oh, Thousand Year Door. Oh, that does sound familiar. Yeah, he had like a mask. Uh, or maybe what was the follow-up one? Because I don't think it was Thousand Year Door. I think it was Super Paper Mario, wasn't it? Oh, I maybe. think that's the one, yeah. Cause, yeah, because Thousand Year Door, he, that's when you got a lot of the journal entries of his, his journeys. That's Which it. I would love for them to do, like, a spinoff of, like, the meanwhile, like, what Luigi was doing, and we get Super Paper Luigi. Yeah. Every year is the year of Luigi. Bring it back. Amen. The year of Luigi never ends. <laughs> it never should. It's always green. Uh, that being said, we do bring up Paper Mario because you, uh, Alana, you, you, uh, played uh, a game that was a lovely um, homage for lack of a better term, it seems, to Paper Mario and all that was good about it, which was Bug Fables, which came out back in November 2019, but as of recording, comes out today on the Switch, May 28th. And you were uh, reviewing it for us. How does that hold up? Is it is it the love letter we all want? Uh, yeah, it is. It's exactly what you want and maybe a little bit more. Um, so the developers did not pitch this as a straight man Paper Mario-like homage, but... They have been very clear through the Kickstarter and through development that it definitely is. And, like, I mean, you only have to look at it to go, oh, Paper Mario, because, like, how many other video games have stolen or borrowed from that aesthetic of paper characters and, you know, tunnels or toilet rolls and things like that? Like, not many. And while I was writing and while I was playing the game, I was thinking the only other, like, games I can think of off the top of my head are things like Unraveled, which uses, like, sewing, you know, yarn to make the little characters. Right. And... Oh, what was that one on the Vita that looked super cool and was the only reason I wanted a Vita? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know the um, one I'm talking about. Oh, God. Yeah, I know what you mean. Oh, no. I'm not going to remember yeah, it now. Yeah, you got to, like, but, fold yeah. things using the Vita Touch thing. Yeah, I know exactly what game you mean, and I can't remember what it's called. It's okay. Um, John will probably Google for us, and he'll come up with it later on. I'm on it. <laughs> right. Okay. Let's see. The Vita foldable wheelchair. Wow. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's probably not what you were talking about. I don't but think so. But it's called so. like folded or unfolded or something. I forget. I should it's probably like put in some more close. keywords. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Right. Okay. Um, yeah. So, like, other Nintendo franchises have done, like, the papercraft thing. So, like, Yoshi's Woolly World and Kirby's Epic Yarn, but nothing like straight up paper. And Bug Fables is that in aesthetic and it is that in gameplay. But interestingly enough, not like, you know, like Paper Mario, you can turn the. You can turn it so you're like 2D and you can go down crevices and things like that. There's nothing like that in Bug Fables. It's almost just like. The art style and the visuals of Paper Mario and the battle system and the gameplay of Paper Mario, but without all of the fluff and... It's not actually paper, it's just more like a pop-up aesthetic kind of thing? Yeah, pretty much. I think that's a really good way of putting it. And I think it's all the better for it, really. Like, it's, you know, it's to compare it to Paper Mario a bit more, it's not as funny, but I think it's really well written. And I think 
what really impressed me the most about Bug Fables is that, you know, Mario is an existing franchise. It's got, I don't know, how long had it been around? Like 17 years when the first Paper Mario came out? Um, mm. A long time. And so, you know, they already had this like rich, diverse history of video games to draw upon. Whereas Bug Fables is like all new characters, all new worlds, everything's brand new. And they managed to create something so heartfelt and so lovely out of it. Like, genuinely wasn't expecting a story about searching for a tree that grants immortality to be something really heartfelt. And, like, the three main characters are really great. So, to set the scene kind of a little bit, um, so you are a group of bugs. You kind of get put together by circumstance. Um, they are part of an adventure. Just like a bug's guild. life. Pretty much, yeah. Um, so they get kind of get put together as part of an adventurer's guild type thing. Um, so you've got V or Violet. She is a bee. She has a bee meringue. Um, she just ran away from her hive, so she's kind of not an outcast, but she definitely doesn't want to go back, and so she wants to go adventuring. She's very much your stubborn teenage girl who thinks she knows everything and is very... I love it. Yeah, she's really great, actually. I thought she was going to be really me, annoying. It makes me think of the princess in Ants. And now I'm like, I just want like the weird, without all the creepiness, Woody Allen character. <laughs> yeah, I know. What you, that's a really good comparison, actually. Um, and you've got Kaboo, who's probably a little bit, he's a beetle, and he's he's probably a little bit more generic. He's a bit more of an adventurer anyway. He's moved down from the north, but he won't tell you why he's moved. He's very quiet about it. But he's very much a people person. He likes being around people. He's very friendly. He's very encouraging. And then you've got Leaf, who is a moth, who you find wrapped up in a spider web in a cave. And he can't remember anything. And then all of a sudden he wakes up and he has ice magic powers. And it's like, oh my god, what do you mean? And he speaks in like third person. There's a reason he speaks in third person. But um, <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Um, and Does so that also just, get into like, like the whole like um, <laughs> conundrum? The whole, uh, what's that... Uh... The paradox of like save the butterfly but you kill the spider but if you leave the butterfly you kill the spider so like did you just ruin some spider's life by taking this moth down your adventure you do kill the spider yeah <laughs> oh no so, yeah um it's a very so that, boss. that's some some very heavy ripples <laughs> to be to be fair every rp every group of rpg heroes can be seen as monsters by somebody exactly yeah from a certain point of view yeah <laughs> also true Yes. Um, but yeah, they just make a really nice group of characters. Like, I don't think I don't think I was expecting an RPG based on Paper Mario to give me good character development. Like, I was expecting fun characters, but I got full character arcs for three main characters and a bunch of side characters, all really well written, all all quite funny. That's mostly great. light yeah mostly lighthearted i would say there are some big shocks in this game as well um like say it's mostly fun and it's mostly kid friendly i would say but there's definitely a few moments where you have to kind of take a step back and go oh my god i did not predict that and like generally the plot follows a pretty standard template of you go to this kingdom and you go to that kingdom and you go to this one and bring back the artifact and you might find the tree i don't know um but the side stories and the actual character development leaves a lot of room for growth and by That's you know great. by yeah within like a couple of hours of the game you're already like in love with them and then yeah they just bond together really nicely so that you can probably... see this kind of growing into a fuller ip if the developers keep getting support 
I could see that, definitely. I mean, there's hints in-game. Like, you're in one nation called Bulgaria, and then a couple of outside areas. Um, um, There are hints of other locations existing beyond this one kingdom, so I don't see why they wouldn't do a follow-up, especially if it gets some traction, because, like, even though it came out on Steam last year, it didn't seem to... It has, like, a good dedicated fan base and a really active subreddit and things but like the main press didn't really cover it at the time um it seems to have gotten a bit more coverage this time around which is really good and hopefully we'll see that as more really positive reviews come out for it that it will get that fan base from the kickstarter uh if do you recall i don't know how much if you look back on it when you were doing your review or whatever whether it was porting it to consoles always in the plan or was that um a stretch goal or something I don't know off the top of my head, actually. Um, I'm on it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, I'm not sure. I would like to think so, because I feel like that has to be a kind of thing now, doesn't it? Like, people... I mean, looking at Bug Fables, it's not a game I would have picked up on Steam, I don't think, because of its origins and roots. I would have assumed that it would have been a Nintendo game. and It seems like it lends well to, like, yeah, going into the handheld mode, for sure. Yeah, um, I mean, there is a demo on Steam, so if anyone is interested, you can give it a whirl. It doesn't require an extremely um, labyrinthine-sized kind of um, PC to run. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure on the console front. Surely, surely it was a stretch goal. Like I think to. they'd be leaving money on the table. Yeah. No, there were, no, there were no stretch goals. Wow, that's really unusual. But that's quite nice, actually, that they're just going to deliver the package and that's that. Yeah. They're they're advertising it as a uh, as a point of uh, a reason why you should actually donate. Excellent. We have a clear, solid vision of the game. Good, and they do, and it worked. <laughs> yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah, I, it was on my radar way back when because Derek Heemsberg and his folks may remember from hosting this before me. Uh, he had brought it up at some point when it was in its Kickstarter phase, and I think I mentioned it to here at the site kind of thing, and then it kind of fell off my radar. I'd almost yeah forgotten it had launched as well. It just didn't seem to get like the big fanfare back when it came out in november but i'm glad it seems to be getting a lot of traction now coming over to consoles i'm just surprised that no other indie developers kind of grabbed on and gone like oh paper mario aesthetic like and this is the first one really like yeah i don't know why i don't know why people are scared because of nintendo being a bit funny with their ips and their kind of vision but yeah yeah, but it's not like they have uh, like a trademark on like the aesthetic but i get it it's <laughs> and it's also it's big shoes to fill i guess too right which is right. probably why bug fables did the smart thing of not saying like everything is paper but aesthetically it kind of looks like it and we liked that combat system so so i get yeah. that like so yeah, yeah, yeah. It, i'm glad it's leading well it definitely seems like one worth picking up for myself and gwen to play i'm excited definitely. for that aspect i wouldn't mind grabbing it down the road because yeah like i said it's been on my radar it's just other things come up yeah, it's not too As difficult either. Yeah, and so you can you can also adjust the difficulty. Actually, um, you get um very very early on you get a you get medals which are like stickers and badges in other Paper Mario games. Um, and you get one that is called Hard Mode, and if you put it on, it doesn't cost any medal points. Um, you it will buff the difficulty up to a fairly significant degree. So oh, nice. normal mode That's... normal mode itself is like pretty easy, but yeah, if you want the oh, extra nice. challenge. That sounds yeah. better than how they handled it in Citizens of Space. Because, like, Citizens of Earth and Citizens of Space very much handles in its battle mechanics very Paper Mario-esque, just with the interactive kind of almost um, 
uh, quick time event kind of aspect of the combat and such. Yeah. Which I did like about it, but just there's too many characters. But there's, yeah, you had to get like a certain character in order to unlock different difficulty levels and you had to level up their special abilities to unlock the different anyways it was very convoluted <laughs> i get what they were going for but it just seemed weird making it a character's special power to adjust game difficulty <laughs> but whatever <laughs> i like that it's just there from the get-go and that just seems to be a smart thing for developers to do i mean yeah growing up the reason why they couldn't do it on older consoles is probably just limitations of space but like now seeing games uh, like I think I was talking about this on the last episode about Horizon Zero Dawn, it has just a story mode version, which makes mm. it all the more appealing to Annette because Annette likes playing games. But honestly, she just she's a very important lady, so she keeps herself <laughs> very busy and isn't like myself and many other folks who can devote the time to getting good at video games. So you know when she's playing Breath of the Wild and encounters a Lionel, she's just like nope and runs. Uh, whereas uh, the rest of us might beat our head against the rock until we can beat it. So I think she would enjoy, for example, Horizon Zero Dawn. So having a story mode difficulty where she can probably just like breathe on the enemies and kill them, but lets her progress through the story and explore the world, that is something that I think appeals to a lot of players and reduces that barrier of entry and it doesn't make it such an elitist kind of genre to get into, right? Right. It's funny because there are other there are other games that I don't have much of an interest in playing, like the Assassin's Creed series. But I have to admit, like looking at Assassin's Creed Odyssey and Assassin's Creed Origins, I'm like, oh man, I would love to explore ancient Egypt and ancient Greece. And then they offer those versions of the game where you can just go on a tour. Right. Yeah. And in fact, actually, I think it was a few weeks ago, wasn't it, that um, uh, if you had Assassin's Creed Odyssey on Steam, they were actually allowing you to just tour ancient greece like for a week just to give people things to do no combat no nothing so you know no I don't hay know, bales to jump into mode. yeah yeah exactly like you just lose yourself in the world can't you which is why like open world games i never used to like them and i think for similar reasons like because the difficulty can be so rubber banding and so like you know you can go off in one direction get lost and oh there's a bear it's gonna eat you i don't know um and then like you know, I like the ones where you can kind of take your own pace, like Breath of the Wild. You know, if you see a Lionel, then I'm not going to go near it unless I've got, like, four ancient swords and whatever other contraptions that will destroy it. Which, some players do some ridiculous stuff. I've been getting that in my feed a lot of, like, people <laughs> doing just ridiculous trick shots and things. It's it's pretty amazing. And people trying to break Breath of the Wild. It's super fun to watch. It's a surprisingly buggy game. Not in like a bad way, nothing that breaks the game if you're just playing it, but if you're trying to break the game, holy crap, you can do some crazy stuff. You can, yeah. Did anyone see that uh, there was a big news thing that came up in my uh, Google News feed if someone had figured out a way to like break it so they basically got into orbit of Breath of the Wild, like they basically launched themselves into space and they kind of were like oh, seeing the map bounds. from that point of view. It was ridiculous. Oh they like God. could see the sun. It was It was nuts. Breath of the Wild speedruns are really good as well. Um, the, oh, they're amazing. The popular one in now is to like, how fast can you pet the dog? So you have to go and find the nearest dog and try and get it to roll over and pet it. So I think speedruns are just cool. Like That's one of the most recent uh, evolutions of uh, gaming that I think will continue. Like uh, There's a YouTuber. Um, uh, what's, the, what's the guy's name? Summoning Salt. And he does history lessons of speedruns so he'll like run you through the history of a speedrun of a uh of a specific game so like sp- speedrun of uh warpless mario or speedrun of uh punch out and you think that would be super boring to watch but they are really engaging 
and they're like little history lessons and you just watch and he explains like the tricks and how they were used and how they evolved and it's it's if you're ever just sitting around and you're a little bit bored and you want to watch something in the background turn it on because they're uh, very very good i find that something i consider in some of my some of my uh reviews just if this game has like will find traction in that community too because there's certain games like when i played played moonlighter i'm like i could see this totally being something that people start challenging themselves to like speed run through because just yeah. the random nature of the dungeons and how, what they can find what they can abuse all that sort of stuff and yeah sometimes it's glitch running and sometimes just straight up the skill of it right mm-hmm. all right um sorry can we get back to uh bug fables for a second <laughs> sorry, right? yes let's go, go back to that tangent there. it's okay it's random okay. i just wanted to ask you if it's very random um i wanted to ask you is there anything in like i'm, not, I'm sure nintendo would never admit to doing this but i'm pretty sure they're paying attention and they're probably playing it is there anything in bug fables that you think mario should just steal wholesale and like shove into a paper mario game Ooh, good Ooh, question. um well that's a good question um i think the best thing i think that bug fables adds is to combat it adds something where you can essentially choose whoever attacks first or swap the order your characters go in, but you can do it in battle. You don't have to do it before battle. You don't have to do anything. Um, I think, again, Paper Mario is kind of a bit too gimmicky um, in that it relies on, you know, oh, I'm going to turn it to a paper airplane and things like that. But um, I think Bug Fables kind of tightens up all the mechanics quite nicely. And being able to choose who goes first is really important because I think... I think Mario always has to go first in Paper Mario, if I'm right. Um, and in Bug Fables, you can either you can enter battle with V first, and if V's in front, and there's a I don't know a mole underground, V can't attack that because she can only use her boomerang. So you have to use Leaf's ice magic. So you can either bring him to the front, or you can select him and tell him to attack first from the back row. And then it just goes back to whoever's next. So I think a turn order or manipulating that would be a really cool thing to do. Because actually, I think that's the thing most a lot of RPGs could do. Um, the only thing you need to be careful of is if your character in front does... You can also give other characters other turns. So if you want to give... Say you've come to Leaf's turn, but Leaf is useless against all the enemies that are left, but actually they're all flying, so V can attack them. You can do something called a turn relay, which means you give V an extra attack, basically, and Leaf loses his attack. Um, If you do too many of those, yeah, there is a benefit. Like Obviously, it gives her an extra chance to bring them down from flying, but the more you do it, the weaker she gets per that round, so you can't abuse it. so it's another really cool thing. It's just little things like that that kind of polish up the combat a little bit. Because Paper Mario's combat's fun, and I really like all those like Twitch-based, like you know, hold down, down, and then let go of it when it flashes up, or press A at the right time. I like all of that, but I think that this adds like more strategy to it that I don't think Paper Mario has. Paper Mario is much more skill-based and buff-based, whereas this is like, oh, who's the best person to go first, second, or third? You know. Which kind of sounds like Darkest Dungeon a bit. Yeah, it does. That's good. Uh, but yeah, either way, Bug Fable sounds pretty rad. And uh, yeah, if you're jonesing for more Paper Mario, I guess go in this direction. I do hope this gets more. It's nice to get some joyful games that we all enjoy. I'm excited I think more so. for it now from your glowing review. Uh, and uh, for those of you who, uh, yeah, check out her review uh, or, you know, go look at uh, some of Steph's cool collector cards. 
feel we need to do like a Kickstarter or something of our own for the website and like actually like print those out as a collectible like magazine cards or something or little review oh, cards for Instagram. Oh, that would be so cool. Be I dope. think that'd be kind of cool if we did, if we look, if we look back in time to like Game Players Magazine or some of the giveaways they did and do like a retro style. Yeah. A retro style thing or do like, yeah, do a reader's letter page or something like that. <laughs> because we don't have any listener mail this time, everybody. Come on. Raul, Jamie, where are you at? I kid. <laughs> it's because I didn't talk about Bravely Default really a whole lot in the last episode. That's why. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's our fault. We're sorry. We're so sorry. Uh, but that being said, yeah. I've been playing something with Brave in the name, so maybe that'll be enough. I don't know. We'll get there. Uh, but we haven't really... John and I have not been playing much new ourselves. Um, like I said, I've had a week, so I've been kind of mostly doing some other stuff making making that money in animal crossing when i have had some downtime and i went back to pillars of dust to try and clear that up that game is uh it's still holding up as a fun little retro experience but i haven't quite finished it yet but what i have gotten into myself was final fantasy brave exvius war of the visions uh which dropped that was on yeah it was in japan back in 2019 it's the mobile um kind of very tactics looking uh, Final Fantasy that was announced at E3 last year and looked pretty dope. And then we got it worldwide in March 2020. And it is really cool. And it is very Final Fantasy Tactics. Like, I really wish this game wasn't a mobile game. Not that, like, it's not too egregious with the gacha and everything like that, but it is very egregious with its very mobile UI. It is super clunky right now, and I really hope they streamline it. And I think they might, because that's something that they accomplished really well with uh, Record Keeper. Did either of you two play Final Fantasy Record Keeper or have at any point dabbled with it? Briefly. Um, my experience with uh, uh, All the Brave sort of made me a little bit weary of it. But then it was... Then it felt it felt like... That game felt like Square, uh, Square Enix uh, apologizing for a, uh, All the Brave. Yeah, I can see that. It's a very simple... Like, it, like the gacha, again, isn't very bad. Like I, My roster is super loaded. I get pretty decent... Um, weapon drops and stuff like that like all my parties are pretty cool although getting into like the the really like high level gameplay it still eludes me but I've done a lot of fun stuff and I find it's really easy to just dive into and then tap out for a while and come back to it and it's more of the same but they have done a really good job of streamlining the UI as the game has progressed over the the past I think it's five years old now six years Mm. and it's um, and I really hope they do the same with uh, War of the Visions because right now you go to that home screen and like it, they're very much trying to be similar to something like Dragalia Lost, where like you have like a, uh, a main character that you can choose whichever character you want to kind of occupy your home screen. Mine's Ramza because I joined right near the beginning, and they had a crossover event with um, Final Fantasy Tactics stuff. So you could get Ramza, you could get um, Gifgarian, and you could get Sid. Uh, oh. And I managed to actually get Ramza and Gifgarian, which was rad because they are OP as f uh, and really awesome. Nice. So I got Ramza and. Then there's a whole, just a bunch of bloat of like just menus and icons and a bunch of like, there's like two different shops, it feels like, two or three different ways to like summon things. Every day there's like four different like daily challenges that things that cop, pop up and give you like stuff. There's adverts for like a sale on something. And then there's like daily challenges and daily missions and other, uh, there's just so much random stuff that just is in your face in that main menu that just clutters it. And it just feels so. Ugh, feels so mobile but the actual <laughs> gameplay itself is when you go through the story mode is like everything we could have ever wanted from a new final fantasy tactics and it, i just wish we got that 
as its own thing. I wish that the company had had the faith in just saying, like, let's make this an actual, like, mainline tactics series game for consoles or whatever, like, instead of a mobile gotcha game. Because, like, everything, there's they, have, they still have Brave, they still have Faith to build up your characters. So many of the mechanics are basically the same. Uh, they don't have the system with the, the Zodiac system, so to speak, of, like, how certain Zodiacs are strong or weak against and don't interact as well which was a huge, crazy meta thing in Final Fantasy Tactics. And the story is, so far, pretty good. The characters all, they, you know, they don't have noses, so that's good. <laughs> and, um, and, and like, it looks, it's a really good-looking game. And you can, like, build up summons and stuff like that, too. You can't summon Rich, but you can still summon everybody else, which is great. And you kind of can get buffs onto them with, um, you can, like, attach a card to them so they have a whole like card side mechanic too and you can attach equipment to them as they get better and everyone has different jobs that they can level up in it's not as like flexible for the job system as tactics was where they all kind of have like a predestined set of jobs that they can go into so for example your main character um march uh no not march i'm thinking of the wrong tactics game uh mont there we go mont leonis you uh is one of the there's like four main kingdoms and he's from the kingdom of leonis he's your main kind of character and he starts off as a lord because he's a, a noble person but he can also go into knight and then i think into paladin so after you like level him up to a certain level and you get all the random drops that you can use and again that's where all like the gacha stuff comes in of buying stuff in the shop or redoing missions and hoping for the right drop and stuff like that and it gets into like certain mission achievements can unlock certain things for you so it's is a lot of like convoluted stuff that also still feels very tactics <laughs> in uh, how to unlock and maximize the system. But the growth is really fun with each of the characters and the, um, and you can build your parties however you kind of see fit and just focus on a few characters or swap in others and whatnot like that. And then when you actually get into the battle, it all plays just like a tactics game, which is what I'm, I'm, I'm there for. Wow. Yeah, I remember seeing it at E3 last year, actually, and thinking that it looked really polished. And so I remember people going, oh my god, it's a new Final Fantasy Tactics. Oh, it's on mobile. That was kind of everyone's reaction. And I thought, well, no, actually, it looks pretty decent. So the fact that you're essentially saying that, apart from, you know, it's a gacha mobile game with some really clunky menus. And, you know, tactics games don't always have the best menus anyway so like you've really Fair. got to try and keep them tidy yeah i just yeah there's there's a lot of menu clicking i'm not the biggest fan of tactics rpgs unfortunately but that's my own that's fault right. and, and something i'm trying to work through i'm going to play final fantasy tactics this year i promise so it's exciting Woo! come on come on the show to talk about it yeah i definitely yeah it's it feels like by putting final fantasy brave exvius in the title that's their like warning that's their like sorry it's a gacha game fyi but also yeah. War of the Visions. So is it tied to Brave Exvius, or is it like an entirely separate thing? That I'm not familiar with, because I personally have never played Brave Exvius. It okay. looks like a spinoff. Yeah. It, it's supposed to be a spinoff, yeah. So I'm sure there'll be some crossover events where you'll get be able to get some of the characters that were just in Exvius. Maybe we'll get Ariana Grande. I don't know. But um, <laughs> it's set, Okay, I got it. It's, uh, it's set in the same world, the primary setting of Brave Exvius. Uh, oh, right. Okay. okay. So like a mobile Evilith Alliance thing now. That's what we're sort doing, of. is it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, the and... continent of Audra is referenced in Brave XVS and was depicted in the game's original world map, but is inaccessible. So I guess this takes place there. Okay. Okay, gotcha. So it's like in a side campaign world, something or other. Yeah. 
it's, I'm curious how many more people will kind of cross over into it as well. But at the moment, it, they just kind of are doing their own, adding their own kind of characters and everything to it, which is totally fine for now. But I mean, they had Final Fantasy XIV's Ishtola, is that her name? Yes, um, yeah. Yeah, she was in there as well. I just actually finally got around to using her. She's pretty powerful as well as a as a mage. She's great. She's great anyway in fourteen. Yeah, and uh, then yeah, then they had the Final Fantasy Tactics crew, and there's somebody else in there. I feel like is a reference to something, but I don't know who what it's from. Maybe it is Bragvexvius. I'm not sure. So it feels like yeah, there's going to be plenty of opportunities for crossovers and stuff like that. But again, if you want to play Final Fantasy Tactics in a new age, like this, if you can get past a bit of the gacha bloat. This game's actually very fun to play for that. And it also has the thing in it that I kind of always wish Tactics had, which was um, they have like a dual arena kind of place. So you can actually match up like a party of your own three characters against somebody else's party of three and go in and do head-to-head battles, which is I always wanted that with Tactics is to build and and um, play against somebody in like a tactical warfare thing. Because sometimes the AI just isn't always up to snuff, right? Mm. and right. still can happen here they just don't make valid choices or you're just very powerful against them and uh and yeah i i like the uh, that uh, extra level of playing chess so to speak that tactics could bring i find it fascinating i think that i might be wrong about this because i my finger is far from the pulse of japan um but western audiences us and i'm I, like i'm I'm guilty of this too, tend to look at uh, iOS games and Android games, mobile games with a certain skepticism and, well, oh, it has gotcha mechanics and a lot of other things. And that really does limit the appeal to them. But I don't think that's the case in Japan. Like I'm looking at some of the numbers here for- It's very much their thing. Oh yeah, it's yeah, pretty like, much the opposite, isn't it? Like mobile gaming in Japan is like number one, basically. Yeah, I'm looking at it? this and apparently by February 20th, 2020, it had been downloaded 9 million. This is the game you're currently playing, War of the Visions. It was downloaded 9 million times, whereas by April, 2020, it had only been downloaded 2 million times in the West. Wow. Which is, you know, fine. Those are still decent numbers, but yeah, I, I feel the same runaway success. I feel like a lot of the games that uh, a lot of the games they've been releasing that have retro appeal to them have all been on uh, mobile, and because they've been on mobile, I think a lot of people in Western audiences have been uh, missing or intentionally ignoring them. Like Final Fantasy Dimensions Two, for example, got released on uh, a few years ago, and I haven't played it. But, like, you look at the pedigree of it, and, and it's, like, a lot of people from Chrono Trigger and Final Fantasy V and VI were involved, and it's it's about time travel, so it's, you know, familiar uh, familiar uh, material to explore in a Final Fantasy slash Chrono Trigger type game. But it didn't, it just didn't seem to click here in the West. Yeah, it's definitely um, a very big lifestyle difference, I guess, I want to say is probably the biggest reason. Like, I just feel like with the way Japanese schedules are built and their work ethic and everything and how the con- how the country doesn't have the luxury of space and time in the same way that I think North American countries do or um, North American cities and such are, are kind of built and our whole work ethic over here is built. Mm. I feel like we have a much more, um, a bigger emphasis on recreation and relaxing and luxury than Japan does. So I feel like, yeah, the console market isn't the, the, the target all the time over there. It's kind of a shame that they don't, I mean, I guess they do occasionally, but they don't uh, go into these games and instead of releasing them on iOS or Android over here, if they just like took out all of the gacha mechanics and put them on a platform, because I feel like they would do considerably better. I think so too. They'd make some some sick money off that. 
Yeah. I mean, Dragalia Lost and Fire Emblem Heroes are kind of two exceptions, I think. they do, And Grand Blue, which isn't really officially around over here, but people play it. Um, they True. do pretty well over here. And I think as mm-hmm. well, like, the lifestyle thing is one thing, but also because, you know, Breath of Fire 6 happened. We don't talk about it very often. Um, <laughs> you know, lots of people were angry about it, and it got shut down within a year. And you see all these, like, old IPs come back, you know, Valkyrie Profiles got one and other games have got these and they build up a stigma in the West. Like, I think Japan, they're accepting of it. And then over here, we're like, oh no, we want Breath of Fire 6 on the Switch or something like that. And then this negative press, yeah, this negative press kind of builds up around it. And it's similar to other genres i think it like walking sims and things like a lot of people go oh mobile games aren't real video games i'm like yes they are stop complaining it's just you you're not the target audience for them and you don't have to shout about it and i think that a lot of the time that drowns out a lot of the positivity surrounding them because like say dragalia lost and fire Emblem heroes have got their fans and i hear i hear a lot of good things about dragalia lost and gran blue in particular um even if with the any gacha mechanics. game can rope in Derek heemsbergen it must be a good gacha game exactly yeah so i'm thinking like yeah it's a lifestyle thing but also like we've just not even tried to accept it at all in a lot of cases and that's just endemic of a lot of our culture in general when it comes to accepting well not just anything but in video game (laughs) in general it's it's very uh it's very easy with the anonymity of the internet to just yell about the things that weren't made for you which is really annoying as opposed to just saying you know what it's not for me if you like it good for you and then step away from the keyboard nobody does that (laughs) (laughs) they just yell about why wasn't this tailored to me contrary to the uh spirit of the internet entirely yes right yeah it would be it'd be nice i yeah i wish that was a thing elena but it's funny because our this is this is by no means an editorial choice for rpg fan as i understand it uh but i think it's just because we don't like, we don't review a ton of mobile RPGs, even Final Fantasy games and Final Fantasy spinoffs that come out. We just don't, they don't really get a whole lot of coverage on our site. And it's not because they, I, I just feel like deep down inside myself, if I was like, oh, should I review this this game that has gotcha mechanics? I feel dirty, almost. <laughs> it's weird, isn't it? Because gacha as well, like, I remember when gacha was in Xenoblade 2, it was one mechanic I really didn't like. Like, you didn't have to pay real money for it, but it was, like, a luck of the draw. Like, oh, you've got, like, a 10% chance of pulling a really good blade, and it's like, oh, great, and if you don't pull one, you've got to do another one, and you've got to do it over and over and over again. And it's like, how do you rate that? And also, like, personally for me, I just don't really... I don't do as much handheld gaming as I do, like, console gaming, and a mobile screen is too small for me, personally. Like, I don't I think that's like where it them. comes from. Not a lot of us yeah. indulge in them. And sometimes yeah, other people will come up and say like, hey, I'm actually playing this game a lot. Like I might eventually do that with this game because I've actually been enjoying the story mode and uh, and the gameplay of it all. But it, it, it's hard to review too. Yeah, when you have to try and think of like the development of the characters and this and that because like a lot of them are just paper cutouts, so to speak, just inserted there so you have a party to play with. Because like you go through the whole story mode with whatever party you want. Ramza and Gifgarian are not part of the story in any way, shape, or form. But as soon as I start a battle after a story segment, they're there in my party. You know, <laughs> so it's it's whatever party you make. So you can't really, like, base it on 
that's a whole different thing to say. You can say like, yeah, the story is very interesting. Separate from that, combat is its own different thing with whatever characters you choose, however you build your party. Like, yeah, it, it definitely is a, it's a tricky thing to review. It's interesting because I think it falls into the that that concept of like you can you can get characters from other Final Fantasy games and use them in the story. I feel this falls into yeah, it's fan service, but it also is a concept that we're very familiar with. Uh, which is suspension of disbelief. Whenever you watch something on TV or watch a play or you're playing a game, there's a certain suspension of disbelief and you buy into the reality of that game. And if that reality is broken in any way, if the rules of that world are broken, then it just makes you, for me anyway, it pulls me out of it. It, Like the rules can be insane. They can be ridiculous, but it pulls me out of it. So if all of a sudden I'm seeing Cloud in a game that he's not supposed to be in, that he has no presence in this world, that he has no game- yeah, it's just you paid $5 to play as Cloud. It literally just makes me go, that's not cool. That, and that's kind of my frustration with this too. I would almost enjoy the story if they forced me to play with the characters that are in the story or I unlock through the, during the story as I meet new characters. I would enjoy that a lot more as opposed to me just playing with whatever party I want to play with. Which on the one hand, I'm like, cool, yeah, I like these characters. They're, they're rad and they're overpowered. But yeah, it is a little bit of a, a discombobulation between the two things because they've never explained why you just have random units. You just, your, your, your brain makes its own headcanon for like, uh, they're just, you know, my military units that I call up to the front to fight for me. So that way, you know, the king isn't fighting, you know? Yeah. And I mean, to be <laughs> but fair. But you could unlock the king and the queen and throw them into battle if you have randomly drawn them. <laughs> and to be fair, I, I pick Cloud for a, a specific reason because he shows up in Tactics, right. um, the original one. But at least one. they gave us a story reason why that happens. Exactly. You didn't oh, buy did him. They? You didn't buy him. You didn't pay something extra to get him in the game. So he's yeah. there for a reason. You have to earn him. You really do. <laughs> Gotta work for it. Yeah. Yeah, and he's not quite Cloud. He's like an alternate reality version of Cloud. Same with Aerith is in there too, briefly. Not as a playable, yeah. but she's there. So you're like, oh, okay. Hmm. Yeah, it's, that is it's interesting. Um, yeah, but like it's, I, I, I'm just, I'm just an old man who hates the concept of microtransactions. Yeah, get that off was, my phone. Get off my lawn. That actually was the one thing when I started playing Bravely Default, and I was like, oh, I can get Bravely oh, yeah, Second that. by paying a buck fifty. No, really? Yes, yeah. that was a weird experiment that Square tried with the, uh, yeah, with DS games or uh, Bravely Three DS. No, it's DS. No, Three DS. Oh, it was 3DS. Okay, thank you. Yeah, that was like their first foray, in, foray into Gacha because I don't think there was really any mobile games from Square Enix yet at that point. Or maybe there was Dimensions, maybe. I think there was Dimensions, but Dimensions was whole was a full game. Yeah, you got to play like the first like whatever couple chapters and then after that you just bought the whole thing for like 14 bucks or whatever. But yeah, they hadn't really started doing the microtransactions and I think Bravely Default was the first thing. That's right, because you, um, you could unlock like potions or something, Jonna? Yeah, I, you you could also unlock Bravely Second, which is how time you know time freezes and you can use your turns. And you by doing Bravely Second, right. you can break the uh, nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine uh, damage barrier. But for and like you a dollar or something. Yeah, and you got a few potions off the top, and if you save them for special occasions, that would be fine. But you do have to earn them again, and you can like you do have to earn them again, essentially, like literally pay for them again um, if you want to use them. And uh, I did not do that. Um, I don't think anybody really did, hopefully, because you really don't need to. To be honest, I'm not entirely certain I could if I wanted to anymore. Um, yeah, that server's probably down. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Probably, yeah. The one thing I will say, though, if you do unlock characters, they do have some like special story stuff just 
for them, so to speak, or at least missions. So there was oh. like some Final Fantasy Tactics kind of themed missions. So just it was mostly just on a map, had the Final Fantasy Tactics music, but otherwise didn't really. It was just kind of fighting random monsters and stuff. But they, I'm wondering if that'll develop more into thing where like you'll get a little story with those characters to kind of expand in for people who aren't as familiar with them. Because otherwise, yeah, it's totally just nostalgia fodder is really all it's there for. And oftentimes it's not even good nostalgia fodder. Like from everything I've heard, every every single time Caitlin's on the show and we talk about uh, 14, I'm hearing about like how it, it, you know, it does uh, fan service, but it does it extraordinarily well. Really does. Whereas, whereas this is just like, justify it. Yeah. Whereas this is like pay a buck 50, I'll give you a character you love. Right. Between that and Record Keeper, it's bringing me back, you know, like there's very few, yeah, gotcha e-games that I'm actually into. And I, not that I didn't, I tried Dragalia Lost for a bit as well, but I got overwhelmed by how beefy its story was because its story was so good. But I was just like, I don't have time to commit to a full RPG and a full story on my right. phone as well as everything else that I'm playing as well. Whereas I find the story in this is just light enough that I can justify it. Like a story, when you're playing the story mode, the story beats are maybe, like they're really, really well acted. The voice acting's great. And um, the character actions are pretty solid for what it is as well. And it all takes place in engine. And then um, and then they're only maybe like a minute or two. Whereas like Dragalia Lost had great writing, great acting in it as well. And some of the battles, you'd get a bit of story and go into a battle. But then there was like a bunch of chunks that were just story. It was just cutscenes. And again, they're well done. But I was like, I, I just don't have the time to commit to this on my phone. And I don't want to just skip it either. Like I want to know this stuff. And it was just so overwhelming. Whereas this, I can follow along, I get the sense of what's going on, and it's light enough that I can put it aside as well. Right, yeah. You want to pick up and play it whenever you want, really not sit, you know, you're not going to want to sit on your phone for like three hours at one go, do you? Well, exactly, just to get through a chapter, and I'm like, eh, all right. Yeah. Yeah, and these, ga- these games aren't going to go anywhere. These things are, I imagine, especially in Japan, but even here, I imagine that these things are cash cows for uh, these companies. I mean, yeah. the the big the big one coming up, which I would not touch with a twenty foot pole, is Romancing <laughs> Saga Reuniverse, which the second part of that just looks like somebody like started typing a word and then their keyboard just decided to like accidentally turn the caps lock on in the middle of it, and there it looks like someone who's a really bad ty- touch typist trying to write the title of this game. Taken from the Kingdom Hearts school well, of titles. I was just going to say that. Yeah, exactly. They yeah. were just like, uh, let's get someone from the Kingdom Hearts team in here. Uh, can you just give us a name? <laughs> They're like, oh, throw a few more colons and dashes in there. Yeah. I mean, I haven't had a friend. I have not, like, I don't mind mobile games. I'm not going to play them, but I haven't really had my outrage moment yet. Like, the near one looks really good. Near reincarnation. It looks like it might just be like a walking kind of thing. But I am really interested in that. And I'm really interested in it because I think it will do some really good stuff narratively. And... You know, Nier and Nier Automata have amazing stories, and if they can transfer that into a mobile game that I can sit and play for 20 minutes ago, you've got me. Don't worry about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, I think, the key thing, is just making it digestible. And so far, War Vision, the Visions is doing that, at least with its story, and then it has enough other side things to do if you get completely caught up. Like, there's six chapters now. I'm still in chapter part two of chapter one, so I got a while to go before I'm caught up, so I've got plenty to do. Oh man, I'm looking at Romancing Saga Reuniverse screenshots and I'm like, no, you don't, Jono, because it looks so beautiful because it's like, ooh, look at the pixel art. Oh, I imagine it sounds amazing. And I'm like, no, you learned your lesson last time. 
this is not the game for you. I look forward to episode like 200 where you've actually played it and you're just like, I did it. That would be $50. That'd be a great episode 200. If we just, we all pick a game that we least want to play and just make it the most downer (laughs) episode ever. I'm not replaying Star Ocean 5 ever again. (laughs) All right, I'll do it. I'll go to Left Alive. Oh, no. Actually, no, it would be a tie between Left Alive or Citizens of Space. Should mm. I revisit it and hope I can beat it this time? We'll find out. <laughs> we, should, we should do that. We should ask... Uh, not, we shouldn't do that. That's something we should definitely not do. But um, we should ask the... We should Shut ask, up, Jono. <laughs> we should ask our audience. Like, we're coming up uh, in a... Not a couple of weeks, and quite a few episodes from now, we're coming up to our 200th episode. We should yeah. ask them, uh, what do they want? Do they have any ideas? Uh, do they... If, if they want to like write in with some ideas or something that they'd like to hear, you know, we would take it under consideration. Thank you audience for listening to this workshop moment. Uh, this question will likely be posed to you at the end of the episode. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I just came up with that in the, set, in the spot, but yes, I kid. That was just funny. You're like, we should ask them that. Let's do that. Not like they're listening to us right now. <laughs> yes. It's only, it's a treat if you make it to the end of the episode. Exactly. No, that'd be great. And yeah, listeners will, definitely be welcoming some insight onto uh, and, and suggestions as to what you want to hear us uh, do that's special I mean 150 was a good one we uh, we got the old crew back together it would be nice to do that again at some point get the uh, the, the, the vintage hosts in here but uh, I don't think that'll happen this time around but we shall see in the future it'd be kind of fun though if you and I were guests for our own show what? Mm-hmm. Atlanta you're hosting okay i've done a few i'm not great but i'll give it a shot oh you're pretty grand get Uh, out of town i agree uh but yeah that's basically all i've really been playing and it's pretty pretty fun times and john you've been revisiting some stuff for retro yeah i i am playing a game that is uh oh man uh yeah this is about to turn to yakuza encounter again Uh, yeah i'm playing (laughs) i'm I'm replaying a lot of yakuza zero i'm not playing the whole thing because i can't afford to spend another hundred hours of my life playing cabaret club but um i want to but i'm not going to it sounds so good (laughs) oh i oh it's so funny to me i'm gonna we're we're recording in a couple of days and solosi is he's playing the real estate mini game right now that happens in chapter six and he's killing himself to play it he's just killing himself and he needs to 100 it and he's like you know what after this i'm just gonna plow through the rest of the game i'm just gonna mainline i'm gonna get through the rest of the, the the main story and i'm like in chapter seven, the cabaret club starts. So no, you're not. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I'm afraid you're going to be stuck for another 50 hours grinding away. Um, but yeah, I'm playing. I've been playing that again for the last few weeks, and I'm just reminded of how damn good it is, um, and how much I, I just, I just love it. So, Yakuza yeah, yeah. Zero is one of the really highly regarded ones, isn't it? I mean, they're all pretty. E- not even but like they're all in a bubble like there's not much difference between the worst and the best but i think yakuza zero definitely sits at the top of the pile i would say from what I, i've heard i agree i think well it's, I, yeah it's the by far it's the best story of the bunch um uh mechanics are very very solid mechanics are basically the exact same as yakuza kiwame the remake of one mm-hmm. um i just finished six a couple of weeks ago i think i mentioned and judgment and uh, they're both you know, they're both solid games, but there very much is something really special about Zero. Um, I'm on the fence about whether or not newcomers to the series should play Zero first or should play Kiwame first. I would say Kiwame, I'm in the minority because I think that I think that Zero hits harder because it's a prequel. If you already have a familiarity with the characters and then you can see where they came from and how they reached the point 
where you found them in the original game. I think that's the beauty of a prequel. And I've said that before. I have been voted down many times about this because Zero is the better game. There's no question about that. So yeah, super excited to play it again and super excited to hear the thoughts of uh, two people who I you know respect highly and who love games uh, going through it. And they're not done yet, so I get to hear what they think uh, midway through and before they play Cabaret Club. So... <laughs> Oh, I could easily get lost in Cabaret Club and I've been getting some of the drip feeds from the real estate mini game side quest as well. And uh, yeah, let's just say my interest in Yakuza 0 went up by about 75%, even though you've gushed about it multiple times to me. Like the real estate stuff has just made me go, wait, that happens? And I'm like, why are you surprised? This is Yakuza. You know what stuff goes down. Like, Absolutely. It's, it's fabulous. It's a fabulous game. Grand Theft Auto Vice City, I enjoyed the real estate aspect once that unlocked more than probably anything else. Yeah, if you, a really good mini game can elevate a... A really great mini game can elevate a very solid game to a instant classic. Like, I don't, yeah, think, well, that, I don't think that Final Fantasy VIII would be as well regarded as it is today if it wasn't for the card game. No, exactly. There's not many examples I can think of of... Mm-hmm in really great mini games and like the one of the consistent things about the Yakuza series that always comes up is the oh the mini games are great the side quests are great and how often do you get that like the, the mini games are like one of the key things about that game that's definitely something i've wanted to uh formulate an episode on for retro encounter and so we can talk about the the merits of chocobo hot and cold etc oh i love chocobo hot and cold <laughs> right. so much it's so good i hate fishing mini games though but Yakuza has those two. Are they good? Some of them are. In, in Yakuza 6, you go spearfishing and it becomes an on-rail shooter. Right? <laughs> That's dope. <laughs> okay. It's that, insane. That, yeah, wow. And, the, and then in other games, you literally throw your line out and just sit there for five and a half minutes until it jiggles. And then you button mash for like ten minutes to try to pull it in. Okay. Some Animal Crossing action right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just mm-hmm. some people like to fish. Some people find it they relaxing. Sure do. I do. We just talked to um, one of Gwen's best friend's parents came over yesterday to visit us for Annette's birthday. Mm-hmm. And he was saying, he's like, hey, you know what I'm nerding out right now for uh, video games? I'm just playing a fishing game. I know, right? What, I Sega just... Bass Fishing on the Dreamcast with the right? actual peripheral. That would be so good. That would be good. No, I, I think it's on his PC or something. It's only on Steam. But either way, he's just, just enjoying, just chilling out and fishing. He's like, yeah, I crank up the, the sound, just get that ambient sound of like the, the waves and the birds chirping and just the wind in the trees and it's just a nice little escape i love it (laughs) there's nothing like games there are games that let you zen out like 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 that like fishing games or i guess euro truck simulator um they have an audience they they have an audience because you don't need to pay attention to them but you do and it's you know especially right now when you just kind of want to zone out for a little while and just let your mind relax really really useful tools to let you do so there's a reason we have so many flight simulators yeah. Yeah. I to be honest, the game I've been playing the most over the last couple of weeks has been uh every pit cross game I can possibly find. <laughs> oh really? That's fun. Uh, oh yeah. I've just been mainlining pit cross games and it's so great because I can just play them and it just uh, it just calms my mind right down. The video gamer's crossword puzzle. Actually there's a game about there's a pit cross game that came out a couple of months ago that was like a cross between pit cross and ace attorney. Jeez, I should look oh, that up. Oh, Murder by Numbers. Murder by Numbers. Oh, Jeez, I, now that's that I awesome. mention this, I should probably look that up because it would be in with our coverage. <laughs> Every time you get the uh, the pick cross wrong, it's just like, objection! 
<laughs> I'd play that game so hard. Me too. No doubt. So I guess we should segue out uh, of this now so we can get Alana out of here. Yeah, we. that's pretty much it, I think. Oh, no, we forgot to mention uh, A Hero Must Die again. Oh, no. Give us, not. Give, us your, give, us your, give us your one-line review. <laughs> oh, God. Um, that does it. That's good. We're good. <laughs> it's not terrible. Um, I mean, I'm one of these people who tries to find some good stuff in there, and I like the idea, which is why I picked it up. Um, I it's was a great just idea. really bored. Yeah, it's a really cool idea. So, really quickly, conceptually, you basically start at the end of the game. So you fight the final boss, and then you die. Um, but you haven't. You've saved the world, but you haven't saved your lover. So God enables you to live another five days to kind of fix the rest of the world's problem, and hopefully you'll find your other half. And it's really interesting because you basically level down. So you start at like max health, max strength. And over the course of five days, your health goes down, your attack goes down, your armor gets weaker, you have to change your armor. And it's a really cool idea, but because of the kind of short, you know, the one playthrough takes like an hour um, or two um, because of the like short nature of it. second hero kind of thing. Pretty much, yeah. Um, but the, because of that short nature of it, it gets really repetitive. So like yeah. you're just going through the same areas all the time and... Yeah, like, conceptually, it's good. I think it could make a really good game if they did something cooler with it, but, yeah. We got to uh, wrap things up, because we've had a fun little episode. Elena, it's always good having you back on, so thanks for that. And Jono, always a pleasure with you here. And Greg, you know, good job, buddy. You did it. Uh, got to pat myself on the back Ooh. somehow. <laughs> for those who have stayed to the end, and those who have listened to the whole thing, I have a treat for you. <clears throat> Tear away for the PlayStation Vita. Oh, yes, there we go. Thank you. That's it. The suspense was killing yep. me. And Mr. L, also known as the Green Thunder, is a brainwashed <laughs> version of Luigi. <laughs> uh, right, there we go. Those are the uh, the tidbits we hang on to when we've asked Jono to go do research. That'll be a new thing from now on. What research has Jono dug up during the recording? You can find us at podcast at rpgfan.com. And as we uh, workshopped earlier, we do have episode 200 coming up. It's 10 episodes away. That's kind of fun and nuts. I mean, Solosi has well bypassed us with uh, his ridiculous retro encounter schedule, but uh, we're getting there soon enough. And if you have any thoughts on what you want to see for a special episode 200, please send them over to podcast at rpgfan.com. Bug us on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter, wherever. Give us those thoughts. I want your thoughts. I'm G Delmi on the Discord, so you can talk to me directly. Jono, how do people talk to you directly? Hey, you can find me on Twitter at John Logan, or I'm occasionally on the Discord as well. Or just send a message. Just go. fire off a message to the uh, mail to the mailbox for uh, random, and we will uh, address it on the show. Yeah, you can send in um, three. Uh, Serial box uh, codes to P.O. box. No. Um, anyways, <laughs> I miss those days. And we'll send you a decoder ring. A random encounter decoder ring. <laughs> oh, man. She get, uh, took her on that to make, like, um, shield rings with his 3D printer. It'd be rad. Oh, yeah. That would be so right? cool. We could all be yeah, superhero no, can... friends together. Yeah, we can work in a, we can put in a code in every episode, and they can only the people with the decoder rings will be able to understand it. <laughs> that sounds that sounds Amazing. fun but it also sounds like a lot of work <laughs> yeah no kidding Ugh. at any rate as i was saying earlier in the episode alana hags is doing um a um, video game music hard mode challenge 
uh, on Twitter, which is always fun to follow and figure out different people's uh, tastes in music, along with all the various other things that Twitter keeps us going with. But Alana, how can people find you on the Twitterverse or anywhere in the interwebs? Uh, so yeah, Twitter is the best place to find me. I am at Alana Hagues on there. Uh, I also am occasionally on the Discord. I am Alana on Discord. Or if you want to be a bit more formal and email me direct, you can do that by emailing alanah at rpgfan.com. Like it, love it. Thank you so much, everybody. We have other podcasts. We did mention Retro Encounter, various games coming up for that, such as uh, Yakuza Zero. So uh, yeah, look forward to that episode coming up as well. Uh, we have uh, you know back episodes of Rhythm Encounter. One of these days, we will get there with some more. Hopefully, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Really, there's no promises. We're sorry. Um, and then Hat and Eric are still doing Phoenix Edge podcast, which is uh, full of delightful good times. So check them out as well. And uh, coming back for more of us. I hope, you know, 190 episodes. We must be doing something, right? Canceled at 199. <laughs> That'd be such a... We should leave, leave with a cliffhanger at 199. <laughs> Will we be back? <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, we're back two weeks later. At any rate, thank you so much for listening, everybody, and putting up with our shenaniganry. Jono, Alana, thank you so much. Uh, until next time, bye for now. Oh, shoot, yeah, I said the word. <laughs> you said the things! Oops. It's okay. It's fine. It'll literally be Alana saying things, and I'll be like, it'll just be my voice going, game title, and then keep going. <laughs> <laughs>